Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Holy Week. It's quite an emotional roller coaster. Last week we were talking about Palm Sundays, and we're in a series on trees, and of course we did the palm tree, and so we had palm fronds, and I was waving around a big date palm branch, and it was a festive celebration, and everyone was pretty excited. Some people knew that Jesus was the Savior to, to rescue them, but a lot of them were, were figuring that Jesus was here to rescue them from the Romans. And so there was kind of a mixed bag in terms of this worship and this excitement, but everyone was excited. And then things went downhill, and he was crucified. So they're on a high, high, and they go low, low, like, oh my gosh, we thought he was going to, he was everything. And they're just, you know, death is final. And so there's this depth of, like, everything was awesome, everything's terrible. And then God, maybe, I wouldn't say sense of humor, but with this twist, suddenly he's alive again. I mean, how does a person go through that physically, emotionally, spiritually, this, he's awesome, he's dead, he's alive, you know, that kind of stuff is quite, uh, you know, like I said, a roller coaster. It's, it's even a ride each year as we remember the story. We're like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, this is terrible. He's risen. He's risen indeed. This, this up and down really hits me. And as we're in this series, I was early on, I'm like, what tree would we do at Easter? What tree represents Easter? I'm not sure, and so I prayed about that a lot. Palm Sunday was easy. It's a palm tree. But Easter, what tree? The tree of burden and blessing is what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do love your story of conquering sin, defeating death, saving the world. Thank you. Would you teach us today not only to remember the facts, but to believe in you for real life, to depend on you for everything, and then cultivate that belief in others? That's our prayer this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, if you're new with us, I would love for you, actually everybody, pull out this little insert to help you take notes. This walks us through Um, as I go through the series. And what we're doing is, the series is entitled Eight Tree One, and we've chosen eight different trees to talk about, that talk about um, our God. And the the Bible has, um, um, the top three living things described in the Bible, number one is God, number two is people, number three is trees. So we thought, we really should pay attention to trees in the Bible. And so this morning, the tree that we chose... I chose, is the olive tree. And by the way, we have one of the most beautiful specimens of an olive tree right out that door. And this morning I harvested a few branches. I hope that's okay. And it's just about in blossom. If you come up and want to look at it or look at it later, there's little blossoms that are coming out that come out this time of year. Um, This is, yeah, a great specimen of what an olive tree looks like. Um, Blossoms come out this year and then the olives are harvested in um, August, September, that time of year. So basically what happens is if you look in these notes, 
we start out talking about just the basics of what is this tree. And then we start looking like, where is this tree in the Bible? What's the truth that we can pull from this? And then what fruit can we apply to that? So we're basically, there's, there's, God reveals himself in a few big kind of ways. Is one, he reveals himself in creation, and we call that um, general revelation or natural revelation. He just shows himself through what he's made. And then he has special revelation, like he actually went to the trouble of speaking to people and putting his word in the Bible so we can learn about him directly through his special revelation and we can learn about him through general revelation. So that's what we're doing in this series. We're like, let's look at a tree and see what we can learn from just the physical specimen of the tree. And then we also say, what is in this special revelation that we can learn from the tree and then how do we apply that to our lives? So that's what we're going to do with the olive tree this morning. And it does go through the roller coaster of, of Holy Week in a sense, and, the, and there's tons in the Bible about the olive tree, but we're going to focus just on that Holy Week piece and see what we can learn about the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what kind of tree is this? It's the olive tree. It's really, an, you know, it could be described as kind of an unremarkable tree. You see an olive tree, there's a beauty to it, but it's not stunning. It's not the tallest tree. It's not, you know, the most valuable tree, all these things, but it's a good tree, um, at least in initial appearance, but it's pretty much good at just about everything. And, and you'll see as I go through that. It's one of the most useful, valuable, durable, and versatile trees on earth. Um, you can get food from it. People and animals will eat the, the fruit from it, the olives. The wood is exceptional for building things, and it's beautiful wood. The grain is nice. It's, it's, a, it's a hard wood. lasts a really long time, so it's nice wood. You can build lots of stuff with it, furniture, things like that. It can thrive in rocky and dry soils. So it has a deep root system, goes all over the place, um, and then it can last even, you know, it has a Mediterranean climate back in Israel where it grows so well, kind of like us, where you don't get rain for four or five months, and it survives in that. Its leaves are pretty tough, so that when it gets real hot out, it doesn't lose all the water through its leaves, um, yet it still can do photosynthesis through its leaves. And the leaves are, are excellent for that. If you cut it down, you know, chop it down, or it gets really, really old, they'll live. Some of them, they say, have lived up to a couple thousand years old. But like a thousand-year-old, it's like, oh, it's so old, and it, maybe it breaks off and falls down. Um, sprouts will come up from the base of the stump, and it'll be a whole other tree for hundreds of years more. So it's a very durable, tough tree like that. Um, you harvest the olives by shaking the tree or using a stick. And the berries have about 50% oil in them. So they're very heavily laden with oil. And that is the best part of the tree. The most common use of the tree is getting the oil out of it. Now, now we think of olive oil, and I brought up a little specimen here. We think of olive oil right here. It's a little vial of it. Actually, I'll just put it right here. I want to look at. Um, and what do you do with that olive oil? Salad. I knew someone would say salad first. You can put it on your skin even. It's used for healing. It's used for cleaning. It's used, I love it in bread with balsamic oil. I mean, right? Let's all go there. Oh. Sit down in a restaurant with that. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't care about my main dish. I want that olive oil. Um, it's used for anointing kings, prophets, priests. You, you know, they use it like as a butter. But you know what it's used for most? And this we don't get in our modern day is it was used for lamps, for oil, for light. So this plant produces light. We have electricity, so we don't do it. But the oil back then, the most useful 
part was. So if you're inside of a house, even in the day, it's kind of dark, you need light. And certainly at night, where would we be without electricity? We'd all be healthier and better slept. <laughs> Not on our phones. Um, but they had lamps. That's how they you know, could be, at least in the wintertime when it gets really dark early, this is what the olive tree meant for them. It was light, not just for food and, and all these healing things and, and cleansing, but it was light was the top use that it was used for. But one of the other reasons that I chose this tree to be used um, for Easter is a discovery in 1968. You see, they found these um, boxes, they're called ossuaries, where they would find bones in them um, in the Holy Land, and they found this one box full of bones, and they found on one of these bones, it was a heel bone, it had a nail through it. And on that nail, so it was from someone that was crucified, and even the leg bones were broken in the box. They're like, yep, just like the scripture tells, here's how you crucify somebody. It wasn't Jesus, if you're wondering, because he arose, right? Could have been one of the thieves. or They crucified a lot of people back then. So who knows who it was, but it was around that time period. But here's the thing. They found fragments of olive tree on the nail, stuck in the guy's ankle. So if you ever wonder what the cross was made out of, we don't know. <laughs> but it could have been an olive tree, right? I, I hate to try to sound like an expert, like, we know it was an olive tree, we don't know. But it could have been an olive tree, so I thought that would be good for us to talk about on Easter, because it maybe was used for that. Could have been a pine tree, too, that was useful wood. If it was olive, they probably would have used it again and again and again, which also was the practice back then. So that leads us to the next question. Where in the Bible, if you're following your notes, where in the Bible do we see the olive tree? So the olive tree, just that phrase olive tree is in the Bible 56 times olive, um, in terms of oil, and almost always whenever they're talking about oil in the Bible, it's olive oil. It's not some other types of oil. It's not the oil that you put in your car. It's olive oil. And that's in the Bible a couple hundred times. So the olives or olive trees in the Bible a ton. And I, won't, I definitely won't go through all the places that it's listed, but I'll list a few of them. It's first listed, if any of you know this, remember Noah with the dove? What did the dove have in its beak? An olive branch. And then in the book of Revelation, the last time it's mentioned in chapter 11 where there's two olive trees, it's in Numbers where we talk about using it for lamps and for light. It's used in 2 Kings, talking about anointing kings with oil on their head. Uh, the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke. What did the uh, Good Samaritan put on the wounds? Oil, olive oil. And then one of the most famous ones, uh, for, uh, certainly for Gentiles, is that in Romans 11, that's where we're told we as wa wild olives are grafted into the good tree, the healthy tree that God's chosen people were grafted in with the Jews. Um, really great passage on, on olive trees. But today, we're going to focus on one place with a bunch of olive trees and one scene where Jesus was amongst these olive trees, and that's in the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's in Luke chapter 22, uh, verses 39 to 44, and I will read that pretty soon. Um, where, where what's happening here is... is um, so Jesus, and it says it in the very start of this passage, which I'm about to read, Jesus frequently prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. So there's the city of Jerusalem, big walls, and you can see the temple. Actually, the Mount of Olives is a little bit higher, and you can look down on the city of Jerusalem, and you can see the temple. 
So Jesus would frequently go there and he would pray with the temple in view, which is where God's presence was for the people. And he's praying for the Jewish people. He wants them to love God. He's praying for the city of Jerusalem and the Jews. He loves them. So he's going there frequently doing this. Okay, and then he's there. This is right after the, um, the Last Supper. So he had just eaten with the disciples, washed their feet, and then he, they, they sung on him, and they said, let's go out and pray. So this was a normal practice, and they went to the Mount of Olives. So he's in this olive grove praying, and in this olive grove, he's struggling with God in his prayers. And then right after that is where he's you know, betrayed, he's beaten, he's mocked, and then he's ultimately crucified. So we're going to look at this little scene where he's in the garden with the olive trees, and I'll read what goes on next. Uh, Verse 39, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt to the ground, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, and he began being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So he's praying so hard, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So thinking of olive trees, and thinking that he's in this garden, and he's praying here, this is a place he went all the time. A couple of thoughts, a couple of questions come to mind. Jesus was being pressed, and the name Garden of Gethsemane, it has a special meaning to it. It means oil press, oil press garden. So they're harvesting these olives, and they put them in a press right at this spot where he's praying, and they squish the olives to get the oil out. And Jesus is praying fervently, and his pores are pouring blood. He's praying so hard. He's feeling so pressed, just like the spot that he's in. And he's, he's been to this spot a bunch of times. You wonder if he's looking at these trees thinking like, Okay, this is my journey. This is my destination. Because we only read part of it, but Isaiah chapter 53, if you look at it, and I'll just mention a few of the things. Because Jesus knows being God, but also being able to read scripture. He's reading, read Isaiah many times. This is prophesied. This is what you're going to do. This is why you came. It starts, one of the verse two, it talks about it, this um, Messiah being a young plant growing up. And then it talks about being smitten. Verse 4, being crushed, verse 5 and verse 10, being cut off in verse 8, being poured out, verse 12, being healed by his wounds, the healing properties of oil. There's an integration of Jesus praying in the olive garden, thinking about this, not just this time, but other times, this is where I'm headed. I'm, you know, has he been praying here when people come with sticks? I said they shake the trees to get the olives, which they do, but you know how they really get them? Even to this day, they beat him with a stick. And Jesus knows the olive tree is going to get beaten. He's going to get beaten. And then the olive itself, you don't get the oil unless what? You squish it. I grabbed a few olives too. These are great. These taste great. If anybody wants to eat these, Kalamata oils, olives, mm, so good. Joan and Barbara got me to like these. It's their fault. The olive by itself doesn't really help us for the main need that it's needed for. You've got to squish it to get that so you can burn it to have light. Otherwise, we're just lost in the darkness. 
Jesus knows all this is going on while he's in the garden, and he's struggling, and he's sweating, and he's being pressed. Jesus came to give us light, to give us life. So let's not just look at the prophecy in Isaiah, and I, w- I want to do that really quick, but I wanted us to walk through, I picked eight scriptures to just say, okay, here's why Jesus came, and here's how it mirrors the life of an olive tree, and see if there's some truth so we can understand why did he come, what was he about, by looking at the olive tree and looking at these scriptures. We're going to integrate scripture with actually with biology and see, see what we can learn. So the first passage I want to walk you through, and, and we'll put them up there on the screen, is Luke 2.52. And that's uh, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So Jesus was a boy. He grew up, and he grew up in ways where he became wiser. He, he got physically taller, and he got socially accepted by people, and he was spiritually grew in his relationship with God. So Jesus, you know, thinking of an olive tree, his little shoot grows up into a plant. So he grew into a full person. And then Jesus was fruitful. And I picked a few passages there. I'm in John chapter 20. They're basically at the end of the book of John, and it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then a passage that goes right with that is verse 25, the next chapter. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself couldn't contain the books that would be written. Jesus was very fruitful. Just think, a tree loaded with olives is a reflection of his life, okay? So very fruitful. Then we move to the harder part, is that Jesus sacrificed. That's in Matthew. And it says um, that he came, you know, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the purpose of the olives and the olive tree is not just to look good, but to provide something and not only provide it, but to do it sacrificially. And then we get to what I already read, Luke twenty-two forty-four, where he was pressed and he was in agony. You know, we don't know this, but, and I don't know that an olive has feelings, but what's it feel like for an olive to be squished? Not good. And what's it feel like for an innocent man, innocent God-man to be pressed, to be crucified? It's agony. And Jesus was praying that. And so I want us, he was in agony, then real quickly, he was beaten, Luke uh, 2263, lots of the um, Gospels talk about how Jesus was beaten. But I want us to pause here and look at Mark 1436. It does a really clear picture of what it's like to be squished, what it's like to be pressed, pressed so hard until juice comes out. Look at what that says. Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is so good in that he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Great model of prayer for us to follow. But he he did something else here. I'm going to call this the agony prayer. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever been in agony? And you fumbling through the Lord's Prayer, like, I don't have time for that. I can't, you know, I need something like this. I need the quick version. This is such a good model prayer. Let's look at it again. Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. Or I called my dad, dad. That was the familiar sense. This isn't God, you're so distanced. This is God, you're super familiar. You're, you're addressing God in a familiar sense. And you tell God who he is. Not because God doesn't know who he is, because we forget. So Jesus is saying, 
Daddy, you can do anything. By the way, since you can do anything, let me tell you what I'd like you to do. I'd like, this is as bold as you can say it. Jesus says this, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. He didn't want to do this. Who would want to be squished? He didn't want to do this. I think it's okay for him to say that. Because he knows God could do anything. Hey, you can do anything if you want to take. But then he doesn't stay there. He says, yet not what I will, but what you will. When you're in a tough spot, remember who God is. Tell him how you feel. And then trust him to be God. That's a real quick agony prayer that fits. Fits me. I, I've you know, been studying wrestling. I'm like, this is a great prayer. I can pray this you know, lots of times. It's, it's, God's not harmed by our requests or by our feelings or by our fears. The Son of God was expressing, I don't want to do this. Any way to get out of this, let's do that one. But I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I think it's because Jesus is knowing this is what happens to the olive. It grows, produces fruit. It's pressed. It's crushed. But then we don't end there. This is a great part about Easter. In John 14, Jesus has already foretold this. And verse 16 and verse 26. And Jesus says to his disciples, you know, he's talking about going away and leaving and dying. They're not totally getting it, but he says, you know what, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you. How long? Forever. Not just for until Jesus comes back. Forever. Jesus was with them for a while, and he said, my spirit will be with you forever. And then verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance of all that I said. So this helper is going to be, it is the spirit of Jesus, but this spirit is going to tell you everything because you'll be tempted or you'll, just being human, will forget. So I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you a helper. And then Chapter 16, verse 7 says it as clear as possible. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, they don't want Jesus to leave. He says, no, it's better. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So it's kind of like, in my mind, I picture this, the olive. If I squish this olive, you'll lose the olive. But you get the oil. You get the oil. The oil in, in, throughout the Bible talks of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in spirit. So let's, let's look at 1 John verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 20 and 27. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. And then the next verse. But the anointing, so this is a pouring on of oil, or the Holy Spirit poured on us, do you have received him abides in you? Jesus talks about, apart from me, you can do nothing. The Holy Spirit in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it's true, so that no lie, just that it has taught you. So Jesus is saying, unless I'm crushed and squished and the oil comes out, meaning the Spirit comes out, I'm just here in physical body form. But if I leave and do the sacrifice, I will send the Holy Spirit. So God is not someone that you have to go and see. God will come and reside in you. Gigantic spiritual truth. Amazing. God, the creator of the, of the universe, we had a problem with sin, so he sent his son, who was him. So God came in the person of the son, fixed everything, but then he was even pressed so that he left his Holy Spirit. 
So God is now with us in spirit. Gigantic, gigantic spiritual truth. Jesus, like the olive tree, came to give light in darkness, to heal wounds, to cleanse from sin, to give energy, provision, calling, and purpose. He came to give, to serve, and pay a ransom. That's why the olive tree makes so much sense on Easter, right? Because he grew, he produced fruit, the fruit was beaten with a stick, pressed out in order that we could be cleansed, give light, and then also have him with us in our hearts. So what fruit can you bear? This is where I really want us to turn a corner. Jesus calls us to to, um, live our lives, actually to have him live our lives through us, that we would be Jesus to people, that he would empower us. He does that by his Holy Spirit. In fact, we're called to grow. We're called to bear fruit. We're, We're to be expect to be beaten, to be crushed. We're expected to be a blessing to other people. And I don't know about you, but I like the growing part and the, and the fruit and the blossoms. That's awesome. I'm not really that excited about the crushing part. But Jesus says, if you really want to live, you got to die to yourself. Right? If you try to save your life, try to keep the olive, you're going to lose. Your destiny is to be crushed. And so that Christ can live through you. That's what our call is. That's the best life, is a sacrificial living. We were blessed to be a blessing to others. That's why God blesses us. Now, I didn't grow up in olive territory. I grew up in wine country, and I also grew up around pear orchards. And so one of the things in my town, in Ukiah, was um, they would harvest a ton of pears. It was kind of a big deal. In fact, there was a lot of pride because our pears, I don't know if this was a real thing, but they would talk about the New York Fruit Exchange, and they would, they would say, we got the highest price for pears in the country or the world for our mountain Bartlett's. They were $22 a box. I'm like, someone paid $22 for a box of pears? <laughs> they were hand-wrapped, all this stuff. And second place from Lake County, the county over, it only got $12 a box. So it was a big, big deal. But what, what would happen is this giant pear-packing facility would be open for about a month during harvest time. And so we all had our part-time jobs, and even teachers would do it, like my high school teacher would be working there, because you could work um, just for a month. It was terrible, I mean, difficult work, but you get paid a lot of money, right, during harvest time. So you, my shift was 6 um, p.m. until 2 a.m., not a good shift. But they kept the place open and just pears, and you'd get so hungry, I'd be eating green pears, and don't eat green pears. But what happened is this town would be turned upside down in harvest time. And people were pretty excited because you'd, get, you'd work, you'd, I mean, really hard work, but it was like you got paid all this extra money by working these extra hours, and the whole town, there's, there's a ton of people working in this place. And um, it was like we had to do all this because the, the fruit was got, had to get to market. And it's like everything happened at once. But the other thing that was true was most of the years, uh, most of the rest of the year, I didn't really even pay attention to the pear trees. They're just there. 
You know, life can be kind of boring until harvest time. And the same thing's true of our olive tree. Is we want to see olives, we want to see the harvest, we want the excitement of that, but God's working, but you don't always see how he's working. It's not always harvest time. And one of the things of saying, God, I want to live sacrificially, I want to be fruitful, you also just have to abide in the vine and trust that he is working. And that the other thing you got to do is you got to be ready for harvest. That's why our town was successful at this. They built giant barns. They had this, you know, space age refrigerator thing that they invented and now it's everywhere. It was freezing in there. I didn't like it. But it, it made the fruit almost frozen. Anyways, they were prepared for the harvest. And that comes to mind with the olive trees. We don't just trust God and live. He does amazing things. Are we ready to handle the fruit? That's also true of not just thinking of ourselves, but are we ready for the harvest that he blossoms and grows? So the question I want to leave us with is, are you abiding in Jesus? Because fruit happens when you are. And also when you are, it's not just all highs. There's lows. It's difficult. Not even Jesus wanted to die. It says, he says, not my will, which infers his will was to not do that. But he was willing. It's okay that we don't want to have tough times. But see, he said, not my will, your will. And that's our prayer. That's our posture is, God, I'll do anything for you. I trust you. And we need his energy. We need his spirit. We need his light to do these things. We can't do it on our own. A lamp is just a wick unless it has oil in it. A person, apart from having the oil, having the Holy Spirit, he can't do anything. Jesus tells us that. I want to lead us in a prayer. And I'd like each of you to pray. I'm going to lead us in that agony prayer. And when I get to the spot that you get to insert what it is that you want, what it is that you need, just pray that in your heart to yourself. Father, I agree with Jesus. All things are possible through you. You can do anything. You can even teach us about your life, your death, and resurrection with an olive tree. I never saw that coming. But each of us here, we're only human. And so we come to you as our daddy. And just as we pause, listen to our requests. Some of us are in agony. Others are in agony that we want to pray for. Hear our prayers. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.